Hello, world, and welcome to the Rocky Mountain National Podcast, the official podcast of Rocky Mountain National Park. This podcast is something totally new for us. Uh, we're just getting started. This is episode one. We're going to be running in a seasonal format, so we'll have a whole season, and this season we're going to do 10 episodes. What we're trying to do with the podcast is connect you to Rocky Mountain National Park through sounds and stories with things like days in the field with climbing and backcountry rangers and park researchers, interviews with rangers about both their own lives and what they do in the park and the key park issues, soundscapes around the park, news, upcoming events, tips for your visit, all that kind of stuff. I'm your host, Miles Barger. I've worked as a guide in Yellowstone, Denali, and Black Canyon of the Gunnison National Parks. I've also worked as a cartographer for the NPS. NPS is Park Geek Speak for the National Park Service. So you're going to hear a lot of people this season use that acronym, NPS, National Park Service. I made maps for the NPS brochure program, which makes the official brochures for all our National Park Service units. And now I'm here at Rocky, where I manage our webpage, social media, audio video production, waysides and signs, printed publications, and other stuff. I'm not going to go too much into my story here right now, because as you'll see, the interviews on our podcast are not going to be formal and stuffy, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're not doing highly produced stuff. We're doing conversations with real rangers, with real park staff, volunteers out in the field. And we want it to be like you're sitting at a picnic table with us, you're sitting around a campfire, we're just having an interesting conversation. So I'm sure that in those conversations... Uh, details about me will naturally emerge. So for today's episode, I spoke with Kathy Brazelton, the East District Naturalist. The East District of Rocky Mountain National Park is the Estes Park side of the park. Uh, Kathy has been a longtime resident of Estes Park, and as you'll hear in our interview, has been in love with Rocky and the surrounding area for a long time. We chatted in Upper Beaver Meadows, a beautiful meadow backdrop by jaw-dropping mountain views, where we looked for signs of spring and learned about Kathy's lifelong passion for sharing with the world Rocky's unique beauty. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Rocky Mountain National Podcast. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Miles. <laughs> Thanks for joining us out here. Uh, where are we right now? We're in Upper Beaver Meadows in the uh, picnic area. I like Upper Beaver Meadows. I think it's a beautiful place. Good birds up here. Yeah. I'm nodding. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. We'll nod. We'll, we'll have nod on audio. Okay. So, how's that big snow? For those of you who might be surprised, it's, what's today, May 23rd? Yeah. yeah. And we're standing in snow. Because it's springtime in the Rockies. Exactly. It's springtime in the Rockies. We just a few days ago had, gosh, my house, we had over three three feet. Yeah. I think in the park we had over three feet. 34 or something like that. I think Allen's Allen's Park had like 42. Have you seen a lot of snows that big here in the spring? Not quite that big. No. <laughs> you know, one year in March, we got 56 inches. 56. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Whoa. But those are odd little yeah. weather events. Yeah. It's kind of amazing how it will snow and then melt very quickly. It's kind of nice. It's like a little hint of winter. All right. Uh, we'll just head into background stuff. So, Kathy, what do you do here at Rocky Mountain National Park? I am the East District Naturalist, which East means I, yeah, I supervise all of the interpretive stuff on the east side of the park from Interpret, the Continental yeah. Divide down. And what is, uh, I don't know, our listeners might not know, we use the terms interpretation. What's an yes. interpreter in the yes. park service? We, yeah, don't, I, we don't translate stuff, right? Well, we sort of do. You know, I look at it. My, my grandmother, to her dying day, asked me what language I spoke. So. Really? <laughs> and, and I think it is kind of being an interpreter. I take my knowledge and love of this place uh-huh. and put it into language that the visitor can understand because uh-huh. it's new to them. Uh-huh. <laughs> so interpreters, we do stuff like uh, 
ranger programs that people go on. Mm-hmm. Um, what other kind of things? Walks, talks, Walks. hikes. And then there's the non-personal stuff that you'll see around the park, the uh, brochures and mm-hmm. the wayside signs and yeah. things that help you understand where you are. Yeah. I know a little bit about that. <laughs> Imagining. <laughs> uh so, let's see. Where are you from, Kathy? Originally. Originally. Born in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> but no accent. Amazing. Um, I lost it on purpose when you did. I moved out here yeah. to go to college. Yeah. Here, but I was a child of the South. Yeah. I grew up in the South, too, actually. Yeah. And I was kind of the same way. I, I didn't lose it on purpose, but I had a thick accent and... Mm-hmm. Kentucky plus Mississippi plus Tennessee. So that was kind of a That's good, a doozy. That's a good mix. <laughs> and then I moved to Iowa when I was like 11 or 12 and it kind of went away. Memphis, uh-huh. Tennessee. How long did you live there? Uh, two years. Two but years? My, all my family was from there. Oh, really? But daddy's company moved him all around. Yeah. And uh, my family loved to travel. Yeah. And we came west. Yeah, in like a lot? In the station wagon with the wood paneling <laughs> oh, on the side. <laughs> like uh, National Lampoon Vacation exactly. style. And three little girls in the back seat driving my parents crazy. Oh, that's great. But that's when I fell in love with the West. Yeah, so it was you and two sisters. Yes. Is that right? Yes. And then ever since you can remember, you took trips out West? Yep, yep. How did your parents get into that? Do you... I'm not quite sure. They just... Dad was a, a crazy birder. He, oh, okay. he wanted to get lots of new species. Uh-huh. And mother was really enthralled with the beauty of the Native American lands. Uh, so we did a lot of poking around down in Monument Valley uh, and Gallup watching the dances. Oh, wow. and yeah. Yeah. That's I had awesome. a blessed childhood, but yeah. it turned me on to my love for the national parks. Yeah, that sounds great. What's the first national park you remember visiting? Rocky. Rocky? Really? <laughs> yes. How old are you? I was eleven years old. Eleven. Wow. <laughs> and I fell in love with these mountains. That was a family trip? <laughs> it was. Huh. How long were you here? Did you camp? No, we didn't camp. We hiked in the snow. (laughs) We all fell through. We had on our cotton jeans and our cotton boots. Uh (laughs) Uh It was May, though. We, you know, coming Uh from the south, we thought it would be warm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, we just, we had so many good experiences here. And then later we camped and backpacked and hiked all through the park. So you came here a lot. We did. Growing up. Like how often? Would you come yearly or every few You know, I think we came once a year for... Probably eight years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then once I came out here and went to school, my parents kept coming back to visit. So you was went, their excuse. You went to college here? Uh-huh. I went to Colorado State. Colorado State. Did you come? Was that because you loved Rocky so much or do you love this area so much or did it just, was it coincidence? It was a combination of things. I adored the area and I was going into forestry and natural resources uh, and okay. CSU is the best school for that. Okay. So do you think... I guess it's hard to say. I mean, it seems like your parents and visiting all the national parks would make you like resources and all that. Oh, Were yeah. you into hey. that ever since you can remember as a little I wanted to be a ranger a ever one. since I was a little girl. Really? <laughs> we went on a hike at the Grand Canyon, and I remember trotting along behind my wonderful ranger, and I asked him, do you really get paid for this? <laughs> <laughs> we still ask ourselves that we sometimes, do. don't we? But yeah. I knew, I knew, and I wow. was so... Uh, lucky and blessed to have it happen. Yeah, that's great. So you went to school at Colorado State in Fort Collins? Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you work, when When did you, when was your first job as a ranger? As a ranger? Yeah, or or in a national park. Mm-hmm. Were you, did you ever do an internship? Or oh, yeah, like I did that? internships. I worked for state and national parks. Uh-huh. I worked for Forest Service. I worked anywhere I could find yeah. a job in the biz. What was your first <laughs> thing in the biz? Um... When I was, don't, parents don't let your children listen to this. When I was halfway through college, I took a semester off uh-huh. and I worked at Lori State Park, our wonderful state park just down the hill. Uh-huh. I worked for the Young Adult Conservation Corps. Uh-huh. So uh, it was a break from school, but it was also doing something that yeah. was, yeah. My, yeah. my my goal was always, no matter what job I had, was to put some kind of a spin on it that would benefit the environment mm-hmm. and and benefit my career. Yeah, Sure. What kind of stuff did you do in that internship? That was... Or job? So yeah, I, I, I mean, made some maps and I worked on some trails. And, oh, that seems interesting. Got yeah. to make maps. Yeah. I like to make maps. I know I like you'd like that. that. Yeah, I've made some maps in my time. I mean, it's interesting, I think, because that question comes up a lot, I feel like, mm-hmm. from visitors. It's like, how did you do this? Or how did mm-hmm. you become a ranger? Or mm-hmm. what was involved? Mm-hmm. And I feel like those types of summer jobs and internships... Mm-hmm. 
are so My first internship, key. you will love this. Um, I went to Southern California, uh-huh. and it was uh, the Louis Rubidoux Nature Center uh-huh. with Riverside County Parks. Uh-huh. I was in, madly in love with a California boy at the time, uh, so okay. I did my internship sure. down there. And the day that I got there, maybe within two or three days, my poor boss, who ended up being a wonderful friend of mine, was in a terrible accident uh-huh. and handed me the keys to the center and said, have a nice summer. Wow. <laughs> so I learned, you learned a lot. from the kitchen sink on up, yeah. but it was the best experience ever. I learned everything. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Sometimes that's, I've had a few internships like that. Yeah, let's see. So when's the first time that you worked at Rocky Mount National Park specifically? I came here in the year 2000. Year 2000. Mm -hmm. And what were you doing then? Oh, it's a crazy story. Um, I was chief ranger in several parks, chief of interpretation, and I wanted to move up here. Uh And my husband got a job and I didn't have a job yet. Uh So I handed in my badge and moved up here on a leaf of faith. But I wanted to raise my children up here. Uh, It's the scariest thing I've ever done. Yeah. But uh, again, it worked out. Well, yeah. Yeah. It was wonderful. And I I had actually a summer off, which I haven't had since I was 16. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds great. And I hiked and hiked and hiked and hiked. Yeah, I got to, I mean, you already knew the park. But but you got to know it so much better. Yeah. I'd sit down every morning with a topo map and a cup of coffee and just go, here we go. (laughs) Sounds like heaven. (laughs) It was. It (laughs) was a great intro. (laughs) Yeah. And then I got hired on as a seasonal again. So I got to have all the fun and none of the responsibility of a supervisory position. Yeah. And then just moved on up. So Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's something, too, we should explain for listeners, because this is our first episode of the podcast. So, you know, people are new to this stuff, is that we kind of have different groupings of types of employees. We have kind of interns that are through different programs, Student Mm -hmm. Conservation Association at some parks, or here we have our own programs. Mm -hmm. And then we have... Uh, seasonal employees, which are actually official government employees, but they're just working for up to six months Mm -hmm. or less. (laughs) And then we have term employees, which are on kind of multi-year projects, but they're a defined limit. And then we have permanent employees, (laughs) which is like what you'd normally think of as a full-time employee, I guess. Yeah. So you started out seasonal again when you're doing that, but you've been a chief other places. Yep. Where did you you work before that? I have worked... I started in Redwood National Park. Ooh, beautiful. I was going to graduate school in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. It was beautiful. When was Redwood created? Oh, gosh. I'm trying to remember. 78, yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, it seems like it's always an evolving place. Yeah, so you're is. at Redwood. I was at Redwood, oh, and then I went great. from Living Redwoods to Petrified once I went to Fluorescent Fossil Beds. <laughs> that's kind of an interesting <laughs> it was transition. I'm looking at the fossils going, yeah. I know this ecosystem. <laughs> wow, that's really interesting. <laughs> it was. A huge petrified stumps. It's and so Fluorescent is in Oregon, right? No, it's oh, uh, down that's in right. That's the one in Colorado. Colorado uh-huh. I'm thinking of a different of fossil Springs. ones in Oregon. You're thinking of John Day. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thinking of John Day. Yep. Yeah, Fluorescent. So for that, it was a wonderful thing. And then I went from there to Curaconte National Recreation Area. Mm-hmm which is different yet. That's in Colorado also, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Down by... Um, uh, Between Gunnison and yeah, Montrose. Montrose, uh-huh. yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, I worked at Black Caney the Gunnison for one right. for a winter. I was your neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that part of, Isn't it gorgeous? of the state. Yes. Oh, I love and it. Kirikani is beautiful. It is, it is. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that the National Park Service manages a lot of national recreation yeah. areas. Yeah, So not all mm-hmm. National Park Service units are called national parks. That's right. Yeah, we have tons. I don't even know how many types of units. Oh, gosh, like the 15, National Historic 16. Site, National Monuments, National Battlefields, exactly. National Seashores. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and for people, if you're listening and you're curious about that, go to, um, if you search the terms find your park, you can actually find a big map that mm-hmm. has, we have 400 and, what's the count now? 400 and something units. And I think a lot of people don't even realize that we manage all that stuff. Anyway, Kirikani. Uh, from there, I went to a little bitty place in Utah, Timpanogos Cave. Oh, I've heard of that. Gorgeous What's that little, like? Oh, it's a little jewel box of a cave. Is it a dry cave, wet cave? It's a wet cave. It's still cave? alive uh-huh, with doors in it to help Whoa. maintain the moisture ratio. Wow. Um, it is way up high on a cliff, so people ex- show up and expect it to be like Carlsbad, uh, where they take an elevator or stairs uh-huh. down to the cave. Instead, they have to have, hike a mile and a half up. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's It's in the limestone face What part of there. Utah is that in? Just south of Salt Lake City. Oh, okay. Yeah, in the Wasatch no Range yeah. there. It's yeah. beautiful. I love that part of the country. We're and then that. from there, I went to Great Sand Dunes. Uh-huh. Now it's National Park and Preserve. Yeah. And then up At here. that time, was it? Uh, it was just a, a, a National Park. National Park. And yeah. then they added the preserve later. Yeah. 
that's also a fascinating place. If, if anybody's coming to Rocky and you have a longer trip, you know, you should visit some of these places around us. I mean, Great Sand Dunes is is bizarre. It's phenomenal. It's, it's just phenomenal. These, you know, hundreds and hundreds of foot tall sand dunes up against the Sangre de Cristos, and mm-hmm. there's a 14er like right behind sand dunes. Yes. It's very bizarre. <laughs> yes. And then what's that creek that flows down? Medno. Med- mm-hmm. Yeah, and it flows like under the sand and kind of emerges on it the does. other side. It comes and there's in a wetland. And out. Uh-huh. I mean, it's oh, just. Oh, yeah. There's pockets, secret pockets yeah. back in there. It's a bizarre place. And a bison herd and yeah. an elk herd. And <laughs> yeah, it's definitely worth, I mean, all parks. Yeah. I've, I've literally, every park I've been to, same even here. when I, even when I'm like, eh, I don't know about this place. It's yeah. always interesting. Yep. Every park has Everyone. had some yeah. beauty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really fascinating. And so then after that, you came, came here to Rocky. Uh-huh. Huh. That's great. You got to be in and some I'm nice places. Ending. Oh, I have been in wonderful yeah. places. <laughs> you like it here. Okay. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into interpretation? specifically is that I, what you'd always wanted to do or yeah, were you kind I've of... done lots of jobs in the national park so uh-huh. resource management law uh-huh. enforcement clean my share of toilets mm. um, <laughs> but my passion was to get people excited about these beautiful places and to uh-huh. me interpretation was the key to that just to share my love for and knowledge of and watch that glow spread yeah. across their face that's that's the best thing in the world yeah <laughs> I have to agree yeah. <laughs> I love that too um so you talked about taking trips with your family. Was there anyone specifically, like a specific ranger that you remember or someone in your family specifically that really inspired that desire to, well, to my communicate, mom was inspire a, a professional people? Girl Scout, outdoor education. Ah, um, and okay. I was a scout myself, and uh-huh. that offered me many wonderful opportunities. Yeah. Um, and then my dad being a birder, that's what we would do together. We'd go out on Saturdays and go birding uh-huh. when we could. So he taught me a lot about the different, you know, birds and, and why they were there and the ecosystem idea. And I just loved science in school. I uh-huh. was a little science nerd. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just adored it. Yeah. But, that's great. I had a hard time deciding whether I wanted to go into research uh, and because and, I just love immersing myself in resource knowledge. But I really wanted the other piece too, the communication mm-hmm. of the sharing of. Mm-hmm. That's important to me. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that happens a lot for people in the Park Service. They kind of have a lot of interests. It takes a little bit to mm-hmm. figure out, you know, do you like being out in the field collecting data all the time, kind of on your own? Or do you like interacting with people? And, yes. And all of that. Both. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the old time ranger, old, when I started, was more of a general ranger, a generalist. And we got to do a lot of the different things. And we've we've gone a little more pegged now into different categories. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people mention that. uh I guess I've only been doing park stuff for about 10 years, but I've heard a lot of people say, yeah, it used to be much more general Mm -hmm. um, and it's just gotten more specialized over time. Why do you think that is? Well, a lot of my first first parks were smaller parks. Uh, So you wear a lot of different hats because you don't have a lot of staff. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then if you move into a bigger park, there's Mm. just more people to assume more roles. (laughs) Yeah, makes sense. A lot more uh, everything. I mean, at Rocky, you were just a little under a quarter million acres, right? Yeah. And, uh, a lot of visitors. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> I bet that's changed a lot. How many, do you know what the visitation was when you when you were here, like in 2000, approximately? I think it was still, uh, don't quote me on this, but I think we're still under 3 million at that time. Yeah. And now we're at 4.5. Yeah, last year we had 4.5 million. Yeah. yeah, so what what kind of changes have you seen, Iraqi, since you've been here? Oh, Any kind of I think... The interpretive role becomes more and more important because uh, we are trying to help people understand where they are uh, so that their their visit can be as low impact as possible and mm. they can see the beautiful places and enjoy it, but still mm. in the spirit of national parks, leave it for that next generation. Uh, so even though there's a lot of visitors, most of them really want what's right for the park and mm. we just help them understand how their behaviors can help the park. Mm-hmm. So... Um... Again, just in case some people listening don't know all the details, what are what are some things that we mean by impact or like remaining low impact while we visit? Oh, it can be as simple as going to the bathroom in the correct place or that's in true. the correct manner. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, true. There's nothing worse than thinking you're in God's own wilderness and looking down and seeing a big pile of human leavings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a pop top or things like that. So, you know, with that whole leave no trace mm-hmm. idea is a good one. Mm-hmm. Um 
Yeah, I know that that's a big one and one that we've been having to work with people on just because mm-hmm. we have we do have so many visitors now that's right. that, and you know it's understandable right. but and and using trails if there's a trail available use that don't make your own and that can really yeah. help the yeah. undergrowth and the vegetation yeah. around our heavily used yeah. areas and, and little think, things like that and people need to remember that it's a little thing but it really does make a difference yeah because we have 4.5 exactly. million people doing that little thing exactly yeah that's what i always try to think about because you know it's it's understandable like everyone it's understandable why people do little things and you don't think about it but right. i always try to remember like okay what am i doing right now times 4.5 million right that's a good way to look at it, <laughs> it can make a pretty big difference yeah, yeah. and then the other thing i try to think about too that i think and i think you're right this sort of interpretation is so helpful is that National parks are really fun and they're fun to come to yeah. and they're fun vacation, but they're so interesting because they're set aside forever. They're supposed to be here forever right. for everyone. Right. Every generation, you know, great grandkids, great grandkids, everybody. And so that I mean, always helps that me too. is the best dream ever? It is. I know. It's an amazing idea. <laughs> you get up in the morning and put on your green pants. If that's the reason we're getting up and putting on our green pants, we could have a lot worse troubles. <laughs> I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, time for a little break while we give you quick news and announcements about things going on in Rocky Mountain National Park. First of all, summer is here. So it's hard to believe, wasn't that long ago, we had a huge late May snowstorm, over three feet of snow in Estes Park, way more up in the higher elevations. But Trail Ridge Road is now fully open for the season. Roads are clear, but watch out for ice. It can get below freezing at night, and any water from melting snow on the runway can freeze. And be prepared for cool temps and high wind. It can really surprise you. Uh, For example, on Monday, I went up to the Alpine Visitor Center. When I left Beaver Meadows Visitor Center, it was 76 degrees, light wind, sunny. Up at Alpine Visitor Center, it was 46 degrees and very windy and pretty clouded over. So the weather changes really quickly and Temperatures always get colder as you go up in elevation. I was really glad to have a jacket, hat, and gloves and to not be in sandals. And we recommend that any of you coming to visit bring all those items as well. Warm clothes, hat, gloves, and if you're wearing sandals, some extra shoes in case it's really cold up there. Wildflowers are starting to bloom in the lower elevations of the park. And wildlife are out and about with new elk and moose calves being spotted around the park. And lots of species of birds joining us from near and far, including the hard-to-miss ruby-throated hummingbirds. They buzz and chirp. You hear them through the air. Ranger programs. Have you ever joined a ranger-led program? They are a great way to learn about the park and have fun doing it, and they're free. So on a ranger-led program, you show up at a location, a ranger is there with you. We have walks and hikes. We have evening programs. We have uh, more like presentation style, hands-on. We even have things especially for kids. They're absolutely great benefit and, like I said, no cost to you. Uh, we have a special program coming up on June 16th at 8.30 p.m. at the Upper Beaver Meadows Trailhead, and we call it Party with the Stars. So if you have not been to Rocky Mountain in the ev- at night and seen our night skies, they are incredible. The Milky Way, uh, all the stars, it's just, it, I can't even describe it to you. You have to see it yourself. So as on this program, you show up, 8.30 p.m., Upper Beaver Meadows Trailhead, and you watch as night descends on Rocky Mountain National Park. And then when it's dark, there's actually going to be volunteers available with big telescopes that will help you experience the magic of the night sky. They can point things out to you, or you can just look through the telescopes and get some great views. So highly recommend you check that out, June 16th, 8.30 p.m. We also have all of our summer programs beginning this Sunday, June 18th. There are way too many for me to talk about here, but you can find them online. For a full list of our ranger programs, check out our online calendar at go.nps.gov forward slash Rocky Cal. That's Rocky C-A-L. Or if you're here visiting us in the park, you'll get a park newspaper when you come through an entrance. Just turn to pages three through seven in that newspaper and you'll see our full list of programs for the summer. Finally, a few updates on our park roads. Old Fall River Road is currently closed to vehicles. It's open to bikes and walkers. Uh, It is set to open as usual in early July, weather permitting, so stay tuned on that. There's construction going on on Moraine Park Road from the intersection with Bear Lake Road to the Moraine Park Campground. You can expect delays of up to 15 minutes there during the day while construction is going on. 
And all throughout the summer, we have a park ride, park-wide project to repair and preserve pavement in the park. And that also might cause short delays in a few sections of road, and those sections will be changing throughout the summer. So just something to be aware of as you visit us. All right, there is all the news that is fit to speak for you this week. And let's get back to our interview with Kathy. Since it's spring, I thought we could talk a little bit about spring and Rocky. You know? Spring and Rocky? Yeah. So is when you be think, ready. Be ready. Yeah. What, when you think about spring in Rocky Mountain National Park, what do you think of? You think of be ready. The, the first thing I think of is change. Change. Yeah, because it's, it's going to be changing either by the minute or by yeah. the day, or you can have a 50-degree day one day and be sitting and getting sunburned on a rock, yep. and the next day you are in three feet of snow. So be ready. The folks yeah. who come visit us, you know, they have their shorts and sandals on and they're ready to climb longs and we're saying you know that's still a winter climb <laughs> they, yeah they forget the, yeah. how far north we are and how high we are in elevation it really makes a difference yeah it it makes sense to me i totally get it. i remember the first time i came out west because being from kentucky you know like it snows a little bit yeah you know may is summer. usually yeah. warm <laughs> summer basically and yeah i remember we came out here i think it was early june we came to yellow we went to yellowstone uh-huh and the snowstorm was coming in, and they were basically like, you can either stay here for three days or you can leave. <laughs> but you're not going to be able to get in or out. And we were just like, what? It kind of, kind of yeah. blew our minds. Yeah. Um, so that's a good tip for everybody. Be prepared for anything. Mm-hmm. Like you said, sunburn and 60 or, yeah. <laughs> you know, 20 degrees and dumping snow or three feet of snow like we just had in <laughs> yes. May. Yes. Um. What else do you, what what other things are changing here? I think it's interesting when you live in different types of environments, you know, there's always change happening mm-hmm. and we have spring, but I think a lot of people wouldn't maybe think of it as spring or recognize mm-hmm. it as spring. It's not a long drawn out spring like other folks yeah. have. I don't, I think of, I think of my senses when I think of spring, mm. there's things you smell, mm. um, you can smell the current blossoms or the current leaves. Mm. You can, that, that's one of our shrubs. You can smell the willow catkins and that green meadow waking up smell. It's just really is strong scents in mm. the spring. I think of sights. Mm. I think of the blue of the bluebirds coming in. They're in their breeding plumage and they are an incredible color blue. Your eyes just can't register it. Yeah, it is shocking when you see one. You're and like, whoa, is that real? Extremely <laughs> pregnant cow elk. I've <laughs> seen a lot of those around babies. town. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, I think of sounds. Mm. We have the red-tailed hawk coming in to build their nest, and they do a lot of calling back and forth, the breeding pair. I think of the broad-tailed hummingbird when he swoops down, the male, the wings vibrate, and you hear that mm-hmm. funny little noise. Yeah, it's always um, exciting when those show up. Yes. That yeah, means, maybe we'll be able to... Maybe we'll be able to drop some of these sounds in. Yes. Oh, yes. Wouldn't that be great? To the podcast. You can, to me, you can it's kind all of know about what those timing. Sound like. Because when the ribes, the current, when it puts its little blossoms out, it's one of the first ones. Mm. That's about the same, same time that the hummingbirds show up, and it's a vital food source for them. So it's all about, we call it phenology. We study the timing of different events. Mm-hmm. And springtime is boom, 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 event after event. Yeah. Yeah, it can happen really quickly once it gets rolling. Yeah, we're feeling the sun right now. This is exactly what this is kind of exactly what we're talking about yes. on a short term. Because when we first came out here, we were pretty cold and it was cloudy and everything. And now the sun's out and we're like hot almost, <laughs> especially with the sun hitting it below your face. That's another tip for people when you come oh, anytime. Sunscreen, sunscreen in the summer, in the winter. I think some of the worst burns I've ever had have been in the winter because it hits you from below. Yep. I like the sunburn in the nostrils. <laughs> yes. That's always a good one. <laughs> I remember the first time that happened to me. I was like, what? what What's going this? on? <laughs> yes, yeah, playing ahead. Yeah, those are all great things uh, to listen for. We hear Robin right now, right? What are your, what are, so the hummingbirds... Uh, red tails. The, the robins are our noisy little neighbors. Robins. They call loudly. Yeah. Um, this time of year, you see a lot of juncos, finches, chickadees, mm. uh, white-breasted nuthatches, and the red-breasted nuthatch, mm. speaking of sounds, who sings its beautiful little call. <laughs> I always just say, okay, honey. <laughs> Sounds like a trombone with a cold it or something. It kind of does, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's pretty um, good. 
And who else is here? Green-tailed towhees are doing their little uh, dance. The magpies are nesting. They build that huge nest with the front and a back door. Magpies are fascinating. <laughs> they are f- my favorite bird. They're so smart. <laughs> oh, and beautiful. Just, yeah, they are. They're beautiful. Yeah, when um, I guess on, on the blog, we'll try to put up a picture of magpies for you to watch out for. Ooh, they're pretty magpies. unmistakable. Yes. You know, they've got their big white body, long kind of blue-black iridescent uh-huh. tail. Yeah. And yeah, they build, if you see a nest, it's pretty unmistakable. Mm-hmm. They're just big, dome. big, big structures, uh-huh. big dome uh-huh. structures. And, and they're corvids, so they're smart, smart, smart. Yes, and exactly. with the jays and the... Yeah, yeah, our Stellar's jays, um, all, all the corvids. <laughs> yeah. So you like birds a little bit. I like birds a I lot. I get the impression. <laughs> <laughs> I like birds. I like everything. That's why I'm a naturalist. <laughs> well, that's true. It is a generalist. I thing. have a real plant obsession, and I love the trees, and I love the rocks, and uh, it all works together yeah. to make a very nice world. <laughs> yeah. Do you have you always led um, spring bird walks in the spring here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, tell people about that a little bit. Oh, it's a wonderful time to get out and see what's going on on our on our calm spring mornings. Mm-hmm. There's no place more beautiful than out in the meadow, mm. listening and watching, and again smelling. I, I love to smell everything too. Um, yeah, it's an important sense. It is. People forget about it sometimes. It is. Or but I you do. know how how it's so linked to memory. It is. Yeah. So I think folks will come here and they'll smell something and later they'll get a whiff of it and go, oh, yeah, Rocky. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the spring bird walks are at 7, or excuse me, they're at 8 now, mm-hmm. and they'll be at 7 in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we have wonderful mix of rangers and volunteers, our wonderful skilled volunteers helping us lead these. And this is the time of year when the migrants, the folks who, the bird folk who go thousands of miles away, come back up and come home to Rocky. So it's great to see them arriving. It's amazing. It's really amazing. Yeah, um, you know, bird walks are one of many types of walks and talks. We have so much stuff going on, especially in the summer. Um, When you arrive at the park for listeners, you will get a newspaper when when you go through the gate, and that will have all our programs. But if you want to look ahead of time or while you're visiting, if you're back in your hotel or whatever, if you go to our website, there's actually a little calendar up in the right-hand corner, and you can search for your specific dates, and it'll tell you everything going on on those days. And all of our ranger programs are free. Yeah, you betcha. Right? All included in your price of entry. Exactly. And boy, I sure inc- uh, want to encourage you to plan ahead if you can. Yeah. Because we are getting so busy and there's times when there's no parking. And I know how frustrating that can be. But if you plan yeah. ahead, you can be where you want to be before the crowds get here. Yeah, that is a really big thing as it gets more, more, uh, more as Rocket gets more popular. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great that we're more popular because that's what we want. We want more people to come learn about not just this park, but this place as as a representation of, you know, the Southern Rockies, right. the Colorado Rockies. Um, but yeah, planning ahead is, is so key. <laughs> Our website's great for that. You can do a lot of research. And um, we actually are going to have a, an article up there that you can go and see about planning ahead. And a lot of it is, you know, look at ranger programs you might be interested in, see exactly what time they're going to be, kind of think about your day. Yeah. Um, we want to give you all the tools so your visit will be very successful and fun. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. We want everyone's visit to be great. We really do. I mean, that's that's what I think about all the time. Sure. Is, is all of you who are coming to visit us, we want you to have a beautiful visit. I see people who get grumpy with the traffic in town. Yeah. And I always just laugh because I said, that's that's a mom and dad and three little kids just like my car. And they're all having the adventure of their lives. I'm not going to get mad at them. Exactly. <laughs> yep. You just think back to that time. Yep. Um, ah, what are some of your favorite visitor questions that you've ever gotten? Are there some that come up on a regular basis that are... You know, there was one time that I gave terrible misinformation to a lady without thinking about it. She came to me at the front desk and she said, I've been here looking for elk and I can't see any of them. And it was a very warm spring day. Uh So I said, oh, you know, they're up in the trees. Their coats are so hot. (laughs) And she said, I didn't know they could climb trees. (laughs) So I misspoke Uh by being up in the trees. I meant taking shelter under the forest canopy. But (laughs) I said it poorly. (laughs) Yeah, you know, she was very surprised. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, there's so many animals and things here that a lot of people aren't familiar with. Mm -hmm. Maybe elks do climb trees. (laughs) Elks, elk. That's pretty funny. It was. Um, if you could give listeners one, you can give more than one, but one piece of advice for their visit, 
let's say this summer, because mm-hmm. this is we're gonna put this podcast up in uh, mid June. What do you think it would be? It doesn't have to be practical. It can be anything. Oh, probably my biggest piece of advice is just come with an open heart and open eyes and mm. look around and absorb this place. Mm. It's yours, mm-hmm. and it is magical. <laughs> be yeah. open to that. Don't get caught up in the traffic and where we're going to eat lunch and all the day-to-day things. Yeah. Let those slide to the back of your mind and your heart and just be here now. <laughs> yeah, that's a great piece of advice because I, I experienced that too in the park. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes you have an idea of, I want to do this specific or go to this specific place. Right. And yet everywhere you go in the park, anything you do, I always find beautiful and enjoyable. Yeah. It just kind of... Yeah. And the mountains will, you know, John Muir said, their peace will flow into you. It's it's, it's that, it, I find myself on the way to work thinking about getting the kids to the dentist. And I uh-huh. look up at the mountains and go, oh yeah, that's what's important. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Let it kind of, like you said, let it flow into you. Let mm-hmm. it calm you down. Mm-hmm. It's important to remember sometimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> all times. Um, we already talked about bird walks. What are some other events this summer that listeners might want to know about um or like what about some of our night sky stuff oh we have several they're primarily on friday nights yeah and i have a wonderful ranger on my staff who is a dark ranger as Uh well as a park ranger yeah which means she is highly skilled in astronomy and the skills to teach that she comes we go out into these meadows here and we look up and I promise you, you've never seen stars like this. It is so magical. There are thousands. And we have a wonderful cadre of volunteers who come and bring their telescopes so we can all get a look. Last summer, I sat out here probably till about 2 a.m. watching Saturn and you could see the rings. And it's just, oh, it's impressive. Yeah, it is stunning. It's really amazing. Even And the difference between near to town and then when you drive into the park a little ways is Yeah, if you're used to a lot of light pollution in your urban sky, when you get out here and look up, you're going to be just amazed. I mean, a lot of times you can see the Milky Way just before your eyes even get adjusted. You just look up and there it is. You don't even have to adjust. Yes. Yeah, those are great programs. Like what do we like to say? Half the park is after dark. That's right. (laughs) But it's really true. It's really true. There's just so much amazing stuff um and in the winters too we do some full moon walks sometimes mm-hmm. we do um, because that's a magical night to be out sometimes yeah. we have to go in snowshoes but we're yeah. out in the uh, winter landscape under that full moonlight learning yeah. about how the planet works and yeah. how the moon works and it's just wonderful yeah so we have our night sky programs um if you again if you go on our website you'll find all of those listed um uh, we also have evening programs so not quite well, around when it's getting dark. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Can you tell people about those? Yeah, those are primarily located in our campgrounds, mm-hmm. but you don't have to be staying in the campground to come. You right. can pull in and, and uh, attend the campfire program as well. Mm-hmm. Actually, we call them campfire programs, but we don't do the fire part anymore because of fire danger. But yeah. We have wonderful evening programs on every topic imaginable. And so those a great are a way to learn about the park. Those are in amp- our amphitheaters, uh-huh, right? Campground amphitheaters, uh-huh. And yeah, all kinds of different topics, yeah. different people. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, different they're, different show every night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and those are nice because there's there's a lot of visitors around. It's kind of a sure. nice, fun way to meet people. Yeah, communal they're real spirit. family oriented, and some we yeah. do early um, before the sun goes down because mm-hmm. we know we have some campers who need to be in bed. Sure. And then some we do as it gets dark, and we use a, uh-huh. a slide project, a PowerPoint projector for that. Uh-huh. No. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of our other programs. We have lots oh, of walks. We have visitors. Yeah, we have walks. We have programs um, that are tied to the visitor center because we know you're busy, but you might want to learn something but don't have time to go on a long walk. Mm-hmm. Walks, talks, everything imaginable. Just, again, check out those web uh, mm-hmm. listings and, mm-hmm. and see what, what fits your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, also thinking, we also have some kind of fun... Like coffee with a ranger, I think that's kind of an interesting, interesting program. That's where... a fun one. Meet the ranger at seven o'clock in the campground. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you can just, you know, we try to keep it um, informal. It's just a chance for you to talk and it ask is. questions. And, and you know what we really use it for? Mm. We use it as a chance to really put our finger on the pulse of what the visitor is doing, thinking, feeling. Mm. And we really like the feedback of mm-hmm. what your experience is like and how we can do better. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that's true. I haven't even thought about that part of it, mm-hmm. but that is a great opportunity to just talk and, and see how things are going with people. Uh, and then visitor centers, we also <laughs> staff those. Oh, yeah. Swing in um, and you can find maps, information, trail information, mm-hmm. um, anything you need. Mm-hmm. And then also the bookstores. Oh, yes. Wonderful sales items with what our are, partner. What are your, some of your favorite books about Rocky? 
Oh, let me think. Anything? Other than field, anything. Yeah. Well, field guides, yes. <laughs> field guides are great. That's what makes my knee go. Um, anything by Enos Mills. He mm. was such. A, he's the father of our national park, and he was the father of really the uh, the ranger ring profession of mm. of taking people out into the field and learning. Mm-hmm. And he writes lyrically. Just you will fall yeah. in love with the mountains by reading anything Enos wrote. Yeah, Enos. Um... Maybe we could talk about him for a little bit because I think that's pretty that's pretty fascinating and definitely I encourage anyone to read because mm-hmm. it's it is it's so it's it's almost uh, it's like halfway to poetry. Yes, it is. It's kind of halfway in between prose and poetry. It is. Um, when did he come to the to this area? He came when he was a kid. Yeah, he was he was like same. Four, well, same but different reasons. He was quite ill back in Kansas where he lived, uh. and they had thought that maybe if he came out here and lived with his uncle in the rarefied mountain air, mm. he would get better, and he did. He got strong and wonderful, and really um, set up a, a mountain school, a, a nature school on mm-hmm. the side of Long's Peak. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember how many times he climbed Long's Peak, but some oh, of the three hundreds, four hundreds. Yeah, he was like the king of that area. He knew yeah. it. He was such a good naturalist, and he could tell it in such beautiful ways that everybody got excited. Huh. And then he used that skill to get the idea of the National Park going and uh, campaigned for us all across the nation. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 amazing to me how many national parks have that sort of story. They have, you know, a person or a small group of people mm-hmm. that recognize the beauty of the place, and mm-hmm. they, they really work hard to have it protected. Um, I always find that really inspiring because it's, you know, it's just a few people who spearhead it. Mm-hmm. And then now we've had this park for 102 years, yeah. 102 yeah. years. Thanks to their efforts. Exactly. Yeah. And so never think that you cannot help or make your dream come true. You can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really is amazing to read about, to read about all those folks. And so, you know, Smills basically, I mean, what would you say? Did he create the idea of a naturalist as like a defined profession or do you think he pushed it forward? nature guiding is nature what he guiding. called it and he said don't tell them so much the what uh, but get them excited about the how and the why and what it means to them so he had the answers way back then uh-huh. and his nature school was just a wonderful place to come and learn and people would go up uh-huh. yeah i think that that's a that's an interesting thing for me that i maybe surprises some people when they go on interpretive programs. And that's why we, I think that's part of the reason why we have our own term interpretation Mm -hmm. as opposed to education, because we're not just trying to bring people out and just throw facts at you all day. You know, could you talk a little bit about that? Oh, our, our, I think our main goal is we know that people want to learn. Sure. We like it too. So we, we do that part, but we don't let it in there. We Mm. try to take it to that next step, which is, um, something transformative, something inspirational. Mm-hmm. That's where people's hearts are touched. Mm-hmm. And our goal is to touch you in your brain with the intellectual and mm. in your heart with the emotional. And we want you to leave this place a steward. We want you to leave this place a champion for national parks and for Rocky and to do everything you can to help protect us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, not to get too much into technical verbiage, but we're also that that's I feel like that's a growing thing in the park service, you know, these more um, interactive uh, programs with rangers where, mm-hmm. again, we're not just talking at you, but we actually want to have a conversation, not just between the ranger and the person, but between everybody that's right. in the group. And right. it, I've been on some of those programs and it's, it is amazing what comes out, you know. Oh, we learn so much from our visitors. Yeah. We, we look at it as being more of a dialogue yeah. than just the, I'm going to stand up here and tell you everything I know now. Yeah. And through that dialogue, everybody is enriched. Everybody yeah. learns and everybody has a chance to be heard. Yeah. I feel, you know, on so many ranger programs, um, I mean, not just guiding them, but also being on them. It's amazing how you can have more energy and excitement when you're done. Yes. Than when you start. So it's very different than a class almost because you're like, okay, I'm taking it all in. By the end, you're like, oh, excited. Yes. I've had that experience at a lot of parks where you go on a ranger program and it it just, it opens your eyes up to things you hadn't even noticed maybe or... And it's the same thing for the rangers. The visitors keep our pilot lights lit. They keep yeah. us excited and enthused and uh, in love with this place. Absolutely. Seeing it through their eyes is just wonderful. <laughs> and I love kids, too. Oh, yeah. You know, um, all of our programs are all ages. Is that correct? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So any any kids are welcome. And I think a lot of times they have some of the most insightful 
comments oh, and they questions. Do. You know, I'll they'll, never they'll, forget they'll the ask time. a question. Yeah, I go had ahead. an environmental education contact with a kid, and we were doing these great programs. Uh-huh. And he goes, "That was great." Then he looked at me. He goes, "Hey, you were teaching us stuff." <laughs> <laughs> He saw you. Huh? And I thought, okay, my job here is done. He, he had a good you. time, but he learned. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and we, our junior ranger program is one of our most popular programs in the park. We have I'm wonderful glad you brought books. That up. And then we have programs up at our Hidden Valley area where we have junior yeah. ranger headquarters and kids that's just for you. Yeah. And, so junior ranger. Um, yeah. Can you explain it a little bit, like the yeah. details of it? We do four programs a day and it's just a way to um, kid level learning, uh-huh. the fun stuff, uh, a way to learn about the national park and mm-hmm. what's here. And then the kids can fill out their books. There's all sorts of fun activities and things to color and match and draw lines to. And then they get their badge. Uh-huh. And kids, your badge is bigger than my badge. So it's That's pretty true. cool. <laughs> they are cool. Yeah. Yeah. You go um, to a visitor center or to a junior ranger headquarters. Or junior ranger program. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. And uh it's great. I mean, the books are so, I love the books here. Oh, they're beautiful. Rocky. Yeah. Our they're, partner helped design those. They're all Rocky Mountain hand Conservancy. illustrated. They're gorgeous. And, um, yes. Yeah, they really are. And kids are really excited when they open it. It's not, you know, it's summer oftentimes when the kids are here and they don't want to do homework, but yeah. it doesn't look like homework. It no, looks it's like fun. fun. It's There's games searches and, and puzzles. Beautiful colors. And, and yeah. And uh, it's just a great way. I mean, the kids learn about it, but the parents learn about it too. Because exactly. they're helping the kids. And then you get a badge and it's just a great program. Um, and it's free. Yeah. So there's... It's, and we have some kids who hit our desk. They are showing up with little vests on with over 100 Junior Ranger badges. And they just inspire amazing. me. They give me hope for the future. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. So we have Junior Ranger books for different age groups. So, mm-hmm. so you know, any, whatever the age of your child or yourself, we I have something. I was going to say, literally whatever the age, <laughs> I awarded a Junior Ranger badge to a 91-year-old gentleman once. Wow. And it was just a high point in my life. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Wow, what a good story. 91 years old. He was grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a great program. I, I feel like uh, I'm 32. I have tons of friends in their 20s, and, you know, who go and they collect them just like yeah. an eight-year-old. Like, it's just <laughs> as fun. It's just as fun. Um, This is going to be a complicated answer, maybe, but that's okay. We can kind of... <laughs> We can muse on it until we're done. Okay. You've been coming to Rocky for a long time. What does Rocky mean to you? What are... No. I know. I know. I know it's a possible <laughs> question, but so many... Rocky is part of the fiber of my being. Mm. Um, something... This is going to sound all woo-woo, but something physically, literally happened to me the first time I saw these mountains. Really? I just fell in love. I said, they are the most beautiful. And everywhere I've worked with the National Park Service, like I said, every park has been a gift in some way. But I always thought these mountains here in Rocky, uh, the Never Summer Range, the Mm -hmm. tundra, it touched me in such a way. Uh, My mom and I spent so many happy days with our noses to the ground and our butts in the air up on the tundra, (laughs) learning about the botany up there and... Um, it's just such a special place. It's uh, it's inspiring to me. It gives me strength. It grounds me. Um, I have a real mountain fetish, <laughs> and I love to visit any mountains I can find, but these are the home range. And our uh, poet laureate, Thomas, you'll have to dub this in. I can't oh, okay. think of his last name right now. But he said, you can say that I loved a range of mountains so much that I could hardly breathe. <laughs> and that's what this is. Um, and to have the honor and the glorious experience of sharing this with the park visitors, that's the best thing I could ever do with my life. Because mm-hmm. they're going to help me protect it. And it'll be just as special to them. Mm-hmm. It's not mine. <laughs> I yeah. just happen to love it. <laughs> exactly. I think that's such a... An important point for everybody is that this park belongs to everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all of ours. Connect with it however it connects to you. Um, find the place that speaks to you. That's I had right. a similar experience the first time I went to Yellowstone. I mean, I'd never been in the mountains from the East Coast. Uh-huh. I think I was 16 or 17. And I just was like, this is it. Yep. This is what I want to do. <laughs> and I just, I've been working in national parks at least to, at seasonally ever since then. Yay. There's just something about it, you know. You know, and that's one of the biggest things I want to tell people. 
jobs are hard right now. Mm-hmm. But please don't let anyone tell you that you can't be a park ranger. If you want to be a park ranger, you can. And it's my job and the rest of the rangers to help you get there. People helped me every step along my career, and I'm so grateful. So if you have a real itch to do this, if it's really in your heart, get in touch with a ranger somewhere, whether it's out here or in the park that's closest to your home, and just say, what can I do? And you can start as a volunteer. I did. Mm -hmm. When I was a master's student, I was volunteering at Redwood. Um, Just get your foot in the door, Mm -hmm. and this can be yours if you want it. I think that's... A great message. And I totally agree. You know, every person that I've ever asked my whole career or as a visitor has always been so uh, warm and welcoming and excited to have Mm -hmm. someone interested in it. So definitely if it's something that you're interested in, um, you know, for some people it ends up being a career. For some people it ends up being a few summers that they never forget Mm -hmm. or winters if you work in Southern parks. Yeah. And you know, just because you come out here doesn't mean you have to grow up to be a ranger. You can grow up to be a dentist, but you're going to be a dentist who loves national parks (laughs) and will help protect them. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. I think this has been great. Thank you, Kathy, so much for coming out and talking to us. Super fun. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll get together another time. Sure. It'd be fun to go up and... Bring coffee next time. Okay. <laughs> Good note. Good note. We'll bring coffee next time. Well, thank you so much for coming Thanks, on guys. the podcast. And that's our show. Thank you for joining us for our very first episode of our very first official podcast. We hope that you will join us for the rest of the season. We have so much stuff lined up for you. It's going to be really fun and interesting and varied. Our next episode is on June 30th. Um, We really hope that this podcast grows into something that's useful to you and useful to people all across the country and the world. So if you dig our show, please tell your friends to join us too. You can tell them in real life. Or if that's getting too passe, you can tell them on social media or however else you want to tell them. And if you really want to help us out, Please make sure to give us a review on iTunes. Um, Reviews make it easier for people to find our podcast when they do searches in their podcast app or on iTunes or whatever platform they use. For show notes, transcriptions, and to learn more about our show, you can visit our homepage at go.nps.gov forward slash rmnpod. That's rmnpod. The Rocky Mountain National Podcast is a product of Rocky Mountain National Park, one of 417 units of the National Park Service that preserve America's heritage for all, forever. Thank you so much, and we'll see you in a couple weeks.